Hey, this is Pastor Lewis, and you're tuned in to the Citywide Church Podcast. We started this year with our new series, Standing Strong. We believe it is God's desire that every Christian stands strong all year long. The first installment of this series was a sermon called Go Home. In this sermon, we saw 12 people give their lives to Christ. We wanted to minister and bless you the way it blessed our church. So take a moment, check it out, and be blessed. first year, or rather first Sunday of our yearly fast, and I'm not going to preach about the fast, you know, really due to the whole storm that we missed our service. I'm kind of thrown back by a word the Lord really wanted me to give to you guys, and so I believe the enemy really that week didn't want church to happen, I swear to you, and so I have a word that I think will set some people free, but on top of that, moreover, is that I wanted to uh, encourage everyone, if you're taking notes, you should be taking notes, write down Isaiah 58. And if you're fasting with us as a church, you want to write down Isaiah 58, and you should read this in the course of your time uh, during fasting, and it will bring some real powerful insight to what God desires in your fasting. Amen? Amen? I believe God has a word for you as you settle down in your hearts that God is with you today. God is for you. Let's, Let's pray real quick. Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father. We just come before your presence, Lord, and we ask you, God, that you would be with us. I want you to pray this with me right now. Say it, Lord, open my spiritual ears that I might hear you speak to me clearer than I ever have. In Jesus' name we pray. Today we're going to embark on a series for the next four weeks called Standing Strong. I believe that uh, as believers many times, and I can get a witness today, when you get to the end of your year, You're kind of like just barely making it. Do I have a witness in the place today? Your faith is just like, oh my God, I love God, but I'm just so weary from the entire year. Isn't it weird how a date change makes you feel like something actually switched? Oh, it's a new year. I'm going to give it new energy. It's a a new year, but it's the same Monday. It's the same Sunday. It's the same Tuesday and all those good things. Amen. But I believe that over the next four weeks, uh, myself and I believe Minister Melvin is preaching at the end of January. Uh, We want to give you some tools. Amen. We want to give you some tools and equip you. On the back of the cards you receive when you walk in, there's a part, a section in the back that it's, nobody knows it's there. Uh, it's a secret. It says notes. And um, it's amazing what you could do. There's this thing they made um, in Spanish. It's called a bolígrafo. And in English, we call it a pen. Ever notice why Spanish words are always much longer for it? It's just a pen. But anyways, uh, you should take out a pen and write some notes down. Because what happens is this, is that throughout the week when the enemy comes and steals the word that God deposited him, you were too lazy on Sunday not to write something down that was really powerful, and then you're sitting on Tuesday defeated in your spirit. Amen. And so if I could just get you to, to write down some things that God's speaking over your life today, amen. I don't want you to listen to this sermon and say, oh, I know who that's for. It's for you, fool. It's, it's straight up your street. But I believe God really wants to speak something to you about four or five, um, I would say about uh, eight weeks ago. About eight weeks ago, the Lord began to deal with me on, on, a, on what I call a mini revelation. And, and I, I want to deal with you, according to this revelation, 
from a story in the Bible that some of you might be familiar with. And in this story is a man named Jacob. And Jacob is the son of another man whose name is Isaac. And Isaac is the son of Abraham. And so, in short, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. And Jacob has a twin brother, and his name is Esau. Now, Jacob, his name means trickster, supplanter, and deceiver. You have to realize, in those days, they wouldn't name a kid because what they thought was cute. Like today, like me and my wife are planning to name my little girl, and we're sitting here trying to find all these cute, pretty names that nobody else has, which is really hard with six billion people. But I know about two million, so it's getting a little harder. And so, and, and, and so, and so back in those days, they would give you a name that was literally a revelation from God. Maybe we should go back to this as to what you were going to be and who you were going to be in life. And so they gave this man the name heel grabber, supplanter, and trickster because when he came out of the womb, he was holding on to the leg of his twin brother. There was a man in the Bible, his name was Methuselah. Horrible name. His name meant that his death brings judgment. And when he died, God sent the flood after Noah. And so God always gives a name that dealt with the character. Understand this. I'm going to build a pattern for you. And you have to listen to what I'm saying right now if you're going to understand this sermon. God gives a name according to what the nature of the person is. You got that so far? And so Jacob, he, he goes through this phase in his life where he, he, his mother and him devised a plan to steal the birthright of his brother Esau. Esau came out of the womb first. Rightfully, the birthright is Esau's. I'm paraphrasing for the sake of time. Now, Esau was very hairy, and Esau was a hunter. And one day, Isaac, the father, calls Esau, and he says, Listen, Esau, get me my favorite venison soup, and, and I'm gonna, when you bring it back, I'm going to give you the birthright. And so Esau goes to go hunting, and, and the mother of Jacob comes to him and says, Jacob, it's time for you to go steal the birthright. And, and what he does is he kills a, a, a goat and he ties the goat skin around his arms and on his neck in order that when his father touched him, he would feel the hairiness. And he goes in and he steals the birthright of his brother. And because of that, he runs away. He runs from his life. And I want to entitle this message, Go Back Home. I want to talk to somebody today who you're running from your sins, you're running from your past, you're running from all the things that you've done. And in the end, Jacob is being called back home. That was the perfect song they sang. We didn't even plan that. But he's coming back home to make some things new. And there's a scripture in Genesis, the 32nd chapter. Turn with me there. Genesis chapter 32. And Jacob is coming home. Jacob is dealing with some things and Jacob is afraid. Excuse me, verse th or chapter 35. And Jacob is afraid because Jacob's brother Esau has vowed to kill him. He said, listen fool, when you come back here, if I ever see you again, I'm going to kill you for stealing my birthright. The birthright gave Jacob the double portion. The birthright took Jacob's, um, rather it took the prominence of the family. It gave Jacob the legal right to carry on the legacy of the family. And so he stole it and Esau is upset. And so Jacob has been sending gifts ahead of himself. He sent over 500 animals to his brother. He sent many things to him to try to appease his anger because he was concerned. And we come upon the scripture and I'm in verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. 
After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. And so Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And the man said, you will no longer be, be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcame. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him right there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was speared. And the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and Jacob was limping because of his hip. Amen. Jacob was limping because of his hip. Now understand that Jacob had separated himself. Jacob had said to himself, okay, you know what? I, uh, I want to encounter God in a way that I haven't before. And so it, in order to encounter God, Jacob separated himself from all the distractions around him. Sometimes in order to encounter God, you have to separate yourself. And so Jacob said, his wives, somebody, all the men said, amen. Y'all punks. And Jacob sent all of his wives over. He sent all of his children over, amen. And he went to encounter God. Jacob was afraid. He had been praying. He had been seeking God. Understand that Jacob's sin had forced him to leave the place of promise that God had spoken to Abraham. His sin had driven him away from the promise, but God was calling him back home. Jacob's sin had made him leave. Jacob realizes a lifetime of mistakes awaits him back home. Oftentimes in life, we see ourselves trying to get back with friends or places, maybe people we've wronged and never apologized. And this is kind of where Jacob is coming from. He's wronged a person, his brother. He's never apologized. He's never said sorry. He never sent an email. There was no text messages. He hadn't seen him in nearly 20 years. And he was going back to a place of mistakes, a place of pain. He was trying to return back to this promised land. But God desired to encounter him before he went back to the promised land. I believe many of us are in this position today. We're trying to get back home. We're trying to get back home to where we've left in order to understand and be where God has called us to be. God has called us to be in the promised land and we've left it for the things of the world oftentimes. Maybe not for a day or a month, but maybe for an hour or two. God does not desire for you to live outside the promises that he's given you. Can I tell you that today? God does not desire you to live outside the promises he's given you. But he also does not desire to bring you back into the promises with the same mess that took you out. And so you have to encounter God. And Jacob encounters God in the form of wrestling. And I understand this. Jacob is afraid and Jacob is scared and he's praying and he sends people away. And I love it because Jacob is echoing what James said in 4.8. He said, if you draw near to God, God's going to draw near to you. If you would just let God speak to you, God will speak. If you would open your ear, if you would allow God in, God will come. If you would humble yourself and seek him, God will seek you out too. Jacob He's understanding this. And I understand this, that Jacob 
Jacob has encountered God in between chapter 27 where he stole the birthright and 35 where he's going back home. He's encountered God in between. He's had God's blessing in between, but he's not been broken by God. He's had all the things. He's he's there. God saw him. God worked with him. God loved him. God blessed him. But Jacob was still a liar. Jacob was still a deceiver. And Jacob was still a supplanter in the midst of God's provision. Some of you think that because God blesses you, it means you're okay. I don't got to change. I can sleep around and still be in church. I can still have the blessings of God and live like the world. And God says at one point or some other time, I'm going to break something in you. And so Jacob, he comes to this place where he would then call Peniel. And this is a really odd story. Because the Bible just switches gears just so randomly, it says, and Jacob had them all cross over, and he was left alone. And so he wrestled a man all night. Where'd that come from? All of a sudden, he's just wrestling some person. I believe with all my heart that Jacob saw the person before. Separated himself and said, I have to encounter, God is encountering me right here. And he began to wrestle with this man that he would soon come to find out was God himself. And Jacob is in a predicament in his life. Church, over the next 21 days, you're going to have the opportunity to draw near to God as Jacob did. You're going to have an opportunity to encounter God. It should be your desire to encounter God. And when you come in contact with the Lord, that you should never be the same. That your life should never look the same as it did when you came in contact with the living God. Some of you are still touching Jesus on the cross. He's come off the cross, went in the grave, and then walked out with his bad self. But we still got Christ on the cross. What does that mean, Pastor? It means we keep on thinking we have to repent over and over. We keep on laying down that foundation of repentance and never going on to glory, never moving on to maturity in Christ because we like what we're doing so much. And we've been doing it our whole lives. I'm here today to address your lifelong issues. I'm here to address your lifelong problems, your lifelong sins, your nasty attitude, your gossiping spirit, your whoremongering ways. The thing that you've wrestled with your whole life. I wanted to preach this last week to be able to tell you, don't go into the new year looking like you did all this year. Jacob tried to get to a quiet place and God began to wrestle with him. Have you ever wrestled with God? Maybe not physically, but in prayer. Prayed all night long and God never gave you the answer you wanted and prayed all next day and God never gave you. You've got to pray until God blesses you. You've got to really push into God until he moves something in you. And so Jacob is, is, is wrestling with this angel, the Lord, and the Bible says the angel touches his hip. And I love this part of the story and I'll explain it later. He touches his hip. And it dislocates. He was like a, a, a sumo wrestler, maybe just like one of those, I don't know, MMA fighter. And he just sits there and he wrestles with him and he dislocates his hip. And Jacob is in pain. But Jacob does not let go of the man. And the man's like, dude, it's daybreak. I got to go. I got another message to give to somebody else. Jacob's like, I won't leave until you bless me. I've heard so many sermons on this. I won't leave till you bless me. Oh, don't let God go till you bless him. Well, I'm t- you got to keep on reading the story because the good stuff is at the end. And Jacob, he's concerned with the blessing. 
Jacob's about to go back into the promise. I need you to build this picture in your mind. He's about to go back into the promised land. He's about to go back in. He says, I want you to bless me. Because when I left, I was cursed. But I want to go back in blessed. The angel of the Lord, he says to him, what's your name? I had the same reaction the first time I read it. Just, okay. But I began to think and I realized this, this is the second time that Jacob's had to answer this question. The first time was when he was in the tent of his blind father. And his father was blind because of old age. And, and the Bible says that, that when Jacob walked in with the goatskin around his arms, deceiving his father, his father said, who are you? And so for the second time in Jacob's life, he has to identify himself. And the first time he lied and said, I'm Esau, your son. He was just living his deceitful ways. And the angel of the Lord says to him, what is your name? I can only imagine that at that moment, Jacob must have had a revelation that this is an encounter to make the wrongs right. To do the right thing when, in places where we've done the wrong thing. I love God in the irony of the Lord where he asks you questions that he knows the answer to. Because what if he said, oh, my name is Daniel. Well, I've been wrestling with the wrong guy. Shouldn't you have asked me in the beginning of this fight? And so I think about this kind of stuff, and he said, what's your name? I think, God, why do you ask questions you know the answer to? Why would you ask Adam in the garden, where are you? You know where that dude's at? He's hiding by the bush. Found out he's naked. I would hide too. Or how about when God says to Cain, Cain, why, why, why are you mad? Well, Lord, you just rejected his offering. That's why he's mad. Then God says to Cain a couple of verses later, where's your brother? I don't know. You, 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 he just killed his brother. You know that, Lord. Or how about when God says to the prophet Elijah, he said to him after he's running from Jezebel, and he says, why are you here? The irony of God is he asked you questions you know the answer to, and that he does too, in order that you might confess the thing that has put you in that place. In order that you might confess the thing that put you there. I began to think about this and I was like, Lord, the first John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And by now, you're probably saying, Pastor, I don't understand what you're saying. He had, he, you have to get this picture in your mind. He said, he said, hey, I'm going to bless you. What's your name? Jacob said, I am Jacob, the liar, the deceiver, the supplanter, the trickster. I am Jacob, he who has stolen. I am a thief. I am a nobody. I am, I'm Jacob. I am the one who carries the curse on my name. I am Jacob. 
Because remember, the nature of the man is inside the name. And he said, what's your name? In other words, confess your nature to me. Confess why they call you that. Confess why they call you a whore or a drug addict or a, or a prostitute. Confess why they call you these things, a gossip or a liar. And I believe with all my heart the Lord stands today and he says, what's your name? What's your name? See, I, I went, see, and the problem is that sometimes we don't think some of these things that we're dealing with are bad because we've had it our whole life. We've had these things our whole life and we don't think it's bad and we think it's all right and we think it's okay because, well, I've been like that. And maybe you didn't even realize the things that are wrong with you and a thousand people can come and tell you, but you won't listen. I, I went to the doctor about two years ago. I haven't gone back. He scared the heck out of me. I went to the doctor because I was having a nasal breathing problem and a, I was having pressure in my ears like if I was on an airplane all the time. And, and I went to the doctor and he stuck a tube up my nose this big and he, he shot this like super like uh, the, the Afrin but on steroids and, and immediately poof, I could breathe. And I was like, oh, it's perfect. It was great. It was amazing. It was amazing. And I said, can I get that stuff all the time? He said, no, you can become addicted to it, and then you can't breathe right at all, and your nose will stop working. I paused there for a second. I began to think about Christians who always want a miraculous touch of God and become so addicted to the sustenance of God that that you don't understand how to live on, stand on your own two feet, and say, God, I I got this. I, I don't need you to come do a miracle every time. And so the doctor stuck more tubes up my nose, and he stuck a magnifying glass. I never knew there was something so interesting in my nose to look at. And he's, he's just looking at me, just like inspecting my nose. And he's like, all right, you need surgery. I'm like, what? He said, are you short of breath? I said, all the time. You get tired during sports? All the time. Thought it was because I was fat. He's like, well, that too, you know. He said, he said, did you ever have an accident when you were a kid? I said, yeah. When I was a little boy, about maybe five, six years old, I can't really remember how old, my father, I was playing Cowboys and Indians, and I had a little white church with a little steeple I had got the Goodwill, and he was behind me, and he gave me a little kick, and then my nose fell into the steeple and went through my nose. He said, you got a very bad deviated septum. But he said, the inside of your nose, I will show you, but I'll gross you out, that my whole inside of my nose is split in two. But he said, outside of that, you had a birth defect. In the top, it's it's really messed up in the back. And what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to go into your nose, and I'm going to have to break it, cut a bunch of the the flesh you have up there. And he he called something. I forgot what it was. I got to cut those things away, cut it back, break the center of your nose, rip it in half, sew it back together. You'll be good as new in three weeks. That bothered me. Don't follow me here. I said, you're going to have to break my nose in order to raise the quality of my life so I can breathe right? But, Doc, I was born this way. You telling me this ain't natural? I was born, you telling me this ain't right? I breathed like this my whole life. He said, but I got to break your nose in order to fix your nose, Lewis. But that don't make no sense to me. God made me like that. Why would God give me a broken nose as a kid? Have you ever asked God why he would give you a certain struggle in your life? You see, I had this dumb friend of mine. I won't say his name. And, and uh, he don't go to church here. That's fine. You wouldn't know him, you know. You probably see him on the streets around here. But 
he, he, um, he broke his leg. Yeah, he broke his leg. Being dumb. And the doctor said you're going to have to have a cast on your leg for six to eight weeks. Well, at five weeks, he took it off because he thought he was healed. He thought he was good. He had healed fine. He had no pain. And so he goes back to the doctor for a checkup. The doctor's like, where's the cast? Oh, I took it off. Well, why'd you do that for? I had no more pain. I had no more pain. Two weeks after that appointment, he's walking funny. And, and has pain now in his hip and his lower back. Go back to the doctor. I don't know what's going on. What happened, son, was that you took off the cast too early and you weren't 100% healed. Oh. And so now it's causing you to walk different because it's causing you to have to carry the load of your body on the opposite side. And now you're, you're, I bet you your right side hip is really hurting. Yeah, how'd you know? And your lower back is strained. How'd you know? Because you took off the cast too early. Well, how are they going to fix it? I got to re-break your leg. Some of you are, oh, wow, woo-hoo. For him, I'm talking to you, how every time God tries to deliver you from sin, you go back, and he has to come back in. He got to break you again, and you don't understand the process of your life. And God comes in, he got to break you over, and he's got to bring a new thing in you. And you go back to that sin, and God has to break you. And you're always depressed, and you're on this emotional roller coaster. And God says, if you would just let me set you. If you would stop taking off the cast. If you would stop thinking you got this. If you would stop thinking that you're healed. If you would stop and let me work. It's hard for me to work with your hands in the way. If you would just let me be God. I do this best. But you come and you think you got it all together. Because five weeks you haven't fell. And on week ten you're miserable again. You're falling back into sin. You're doing things you don't want to do. Because you can't let God work in you. And so under the sound of my voice, there's two types of people. One, who you haven't addressed lifelong issues. And two, people who keep on having recurring issues you've learned over the course of your life. I'm talking people, you're abandoning the cast. You take off the cast of God. So many of you are taking off the cast of God called singlehood because God wants you single for a reason and for a season, but you try to take it off in order that you can get into a relationship because you're lonely at night and God says that won't help you. It'll just give you more sexual partners that have your history in their back pocket and give you more ways to fall when you're trying to walk with me. Don't take the cast off. You can't hang around weed smokers and try to save them yet. You're still addicted. Don't do it. Don't take the cast off. Don't hang around the alcoholics yet. It's great to hang around sinners. Jesus did it. But if you're not strong enough, stay away. Don't go to the party if you can't stop drinking. Don't go here if it's going to tempt you. Don't do it. Leave the cast on. Because when you don't, God has to come in and break you. And and you spend the course of your life broken and saying, God, why? God, why? And Jacob had left the promised land because he was a sinner and because his sin had drove him out. And God said, if you're ordered to come back in, Jacob, you're going to have to change some things about you, starting with your nature. Could no longer be Jacob the deceiver, the trickster, the supplanter. You need to be Israel, he who has wrestled with God, he who has fought God, he who has gone through hell and high water with God. 
if God asked you and stood in front of you and he said, what's your name? Would you be foolish enough to answer with something like Lewis? Now the angel wants to know his identity. Maybe you've been like this your whole life. Maybe you've had lifelong issues. Maybe things in your life have gone wrong from hell and high water, A to Z. Everything has gone wrong, but yet you've never set yourself in the processes of God. And time and time again, you find yourself broken before the Lord. You find yourself messed up in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind. You find yourself struggling in your faith. You find yourself sometimes doubting if there is a God. You find yourself saying, God, where are you in my situation? And God says, you've never once stood firm in me. How can I stand firm in you? I walked away from that doctor's office thinking, man, that's the craziest thing in, in the world. And I never got the surgery. And I was talking to Brother Carlos about it over the last maybe five, six months. My breathing has got so much worse. And I said, I got to get the surgery. And he says, what surgery? And I said, well, I have a whole this and that. He's like, I had the same surgery. I said, my homie, how bad was it? It was bad. I'm like, oh, screw you, man. It's not cool. Supposed to be like it was a piece of cake. He told me about how, how they have to do all these things. And, and when they take off the gauze, he's like, there's like this much gauze stuffed up in your nose and all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, God, I'm, I'm already feeling the pain and feeling the hurt. You ever felt pain or hurt before you actually went through it? I'm going to be transparent with y'all. I had, a, I had a moment the other day. Can I just tell y'all the truth? Now, I don't want to hear this on Facebook. And if it is, I'll come to your house and punch you. Now, I had a moment the other day. Most of y'all know my wife's pregnant. You know, she's over here singing her head out. And she just, you know, rough. and so I'm driving home from Cheshire the other day. And I, I've been listening to this stupid song that my dad used to listen to with my sister. And it's called Butterfly Kisses. Anyone talk about that song? It's an amazing song for father-daughter. And so I've been singing it at night to my wife's stomach. So my, my daughter going to know my voice. Amen. And so I've been singing to her and I, I was singing all these songs to her. And, and the first time I sang it, I was like, I don't like this song anymore. Because it got to this part where it talks about she's growing up and this and that. And so this is, this is the funniest thing in the world. I'm driving down Route 8. I'm in Naugatuck. And he's, I'm playing this song. And, and he's singing the part where she's about to get married. He's like, she'll change her name today. I'm like, I'm telling you the truth. This really happened. I put the brakes on the car. I'm like, I'm like, stop me in the middle of the highway. She'll make a promise and I'll give her away. I'm just like, what? And I started crying. I'm like, I'm not ready to give my baby away. I haven't even got her yet. And I started feeling that. I walked in my house just upset. I'm like, honey. She's like, what happened? I'm like, I'm not giving her away. What are you talking about, Lewis? The baby. What are you talking about? For marriage. Shut up, Lewis. What are you, you've been listening to that song again? I'm like, yes. And I felt the pain before I had to do it. Now I feel the pain of all you fathers out here. I've been praying for an ugly daughter since. Lord, make her. I want nobody to want her, Lord. I just love her all the love she needs, Jesus. You and me. Jesus, take the wheel. Amen. I just, Lord, I don't need nobody but you and me to love her. Driving down Route 8, replaying the song over and over, crying. I had to give my daughter away. And I felt the pain before I actually had to go through it. Probably 22. She ain't dating until she's 42, so I'm good. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, man. Oftentimes, 
the pain we imagine stops us from going through the things that we have to go through in order to get to the place where God's pulling you. If I could put that in human terms, I haven't got the surgery because I was so afraid of the pain it would cause and what it might change in my life. That it's affected the quality of my life. And maybe there's some things that God's calling you to change and you think they're too difficult because, I don't know, that's a whole life adjustment for me. I mean, I got to stop lying. Can I tell you something? Some of y'all got to stop lying. The Bible says that when you come to the Lord, that there should be only truth in your mouth. And if you're a liar, lie no more. If you have a sex problem, do it no more. No amens there. That's cool. All the sexaholics said, hmm. Who are you? You see, Jacob was broken. Dislocated his hip. The Bible says he left that place limping. Scripturally, most theologians believe he had a limp for life. He never really fully recovered from that encounter with God. Oftentimes, you don't recover from the encounter with God. Sometimes God will let you be so broken, you don't recover. Because if you recovered, you would go back to the place that you were in that got you back in the mess in the first place. Who are you? Who are you that you've been doing some things in your life for so long that you don't think it's wrong anymore? God says, who are you? Who is this Jesus you are serving that allows you to do all the things that you've been doing? It's not the same one that I'm preaching to you because he demands change. The cross, it cost me nothing. It cost him everything. If I could be so honest with you, there's some people in this room and and, and you've got to do some changing in your life. You've got to let God do some breaking in your life. Because God has a promised land that he wants you to go to. Jacob was going back home. But in order to go back home, he had to go in a way and in a capacity where people wouldn't recognize him as the same Jacob who was a liar. <coughs> the same Jacob who was a thief. The same Jacob who was a supplanter. Nobody wanted that Jacob back. I believe with all my heart, with tears in his eyes, when the angel asked him, what's your name? He said, I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. I'm J- and I am a mess. And I need you to bless me because I'm about to have some of the greatest times of my life. I'm trying to go back to where God has called my family. I'm trying to go back to where God has told me I should be. But I need you to bless me on the way in. I am a mess. I've made a mess out of my life. I am not doing that great. I am scared out of my mind. I am afraid of my brother Esau. I need you to come. I need you to bless me because I know if God blesses me, no man can curse me. Most pastors and preachers, you stop at the, bless me. But God wants to know, what's your name? See, if I could break this a little further for you, when you say, what's your name? He's kind of asking you, who do people say you are? Well, as a kid, me and my dad and my family, we would spend a lot of time in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, with the Amish people were at, and the Amish people had a saying And it would go like, something like, don't ask me who I am, ask my neighbors. (laughs) Because their testimony spoke for itself to their neighbors, and their neighbors could account and tell you and and testify of their accountability to the word of God. If I talk to the people in your family, who would they say you are? 
If I talk to the people at your job, who would they say you are? If I talk to the folks, if God went to people around you in your circle and, and people maybe in your past, who would they say you are? Who would they say you are? You see, I can, I can, I can preach about this because I've been there, done that, because I, I go to Walmart sometimes uh, when I don't go to Target. And I, I go to Walmart sometimes and I meet, I, you, the reason, number one reason I hate Walmart, number one reason, I can never go and shop because people know me over there. I always see about 15 people I know. I'm ducking between aisles. If you see me in Walmart, walk by. I won't be offended. I'm good. I want to shop. Get out. People want to talk to me. And I ran into this girl named Stephanie. And Stephanie walks up to me. And I'm trying to dodge her because I know her because I was really mean to her in school. Really mean to her in school. And, and, and she's, Lewis! I walk over there. I'm like, hey, Stephanie, it's so good to see you. What you doing with your life? That's what she said. What are you doing? And I had to open up with, I'm a pastor. So kind of like, she was just like, you, a pastor? And within a few minutes of talking, she said, okay, you're a pastor. I can see it. Wow. The Lord's definitely does some stuff in you. I saw this other girl at the Chinese restaurant. I didn't even know her. And she recognized me for being mean to her. Poor people in this church who used to go to school with me stopped taking the bus because of me. But now they're here at the church, Amen. They knew how mean I was. Who do people say I am? He's changed. He ain't the same kid back in fifth grade. He was mean. Who are you? Who are you? I want to challenge you in this moment that God, he wants to make all things new. He wants to make all things in your life over right now. And if you've been struggling with some lifelong things, if you've been having those situations, those, those sins, those things that, that you know that don't please God, and there's no reason why you should have to wrestle with those things, God will rip it out of you. God will break it. God will do it. You've got to stop making provision for it. You've got to stop going back to it. You've got to stop buying the cigarettes. Stop buying this. Stop going there. Stop doing that stuff. And God will work it out in you. God, uh, nobody heard hear that part. God will work it out in you. If you allow God, <coughs> there's people in this room, you're emotionally scarred, and God says, I'll work it out in you if you allow me to. But when I do it, when I work it in you, don't take off the cast. Leave it on. I broke you for a purpose. I broke you for a reason. And until my job is done, don't try to take it off. God knows what you need. God knows how long the healing process will take. God understands. And if you would just take a season in your life and you will let God work in you and you will let God break you and you will let God heal you and restore you and make you new again. If you would let God do it, He'll change your name. I'm not talking about changing your physical name. He'll change your nature. He'll change who you are. You'll no longer be that thing. Think of the things you have in your heart and your life. Think of the bad things about you. Maybe you're just uncommitted. Maybe you're this or that. Maybe you're just a wishy-washy Christian. Maybe you're here one day and gone the next. Maybe you spent your whole life in and out of God. Whatever your excuses, whatever your reasons are, your sins are, think about it and say, God, that's what I want you to change about me. Parents, if you don't know what that is and you don't understand maybe what it is in you that has to change, think of what you don't want your kids to have that you have. And that's what you want them to change. God, I don't want my kids to have 
my mentality in life. I don't want my kids to be negative. I don't want my kids to have bad attitudes. I want my kids to be addicted. I want my kids to have this or that. I want my kids to know God, to know him, to know God in the power of the cross and the power of his grace. I want them to know him. And this song we sang earlier, there's a line that says, redemption is calling me home. Redemption is calling me home. Come on, right where you're at, just bow your heads. Don't look at nobody else around you. Redemption's calling you home. Some of you have lived in sin, lived in ways that don't please the Lord. And whatever your thing is, that's for you and God to talk about right now. Whatever it is. But I want to challenge you in this morning, this afternoon, right now, that redemption's beckoning towards you. Redemption is calling you home. Redemption says, come on home. Come on home. Come on home. Come on home. You've walked away too far. Come on home. You've gone too far from me. Come on home. Maybe you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Today's your day. He says, come home to me. Come home to me. Come on, come home to me. Come home to me. Come on, if you know that in some way, some form, some fashion, you need to come home to Jesus. You need to let God do a change in you and break some things in you. I want you to jump to your feet as fast as you can. Come on, if that's you and you know that God wants a change in you and God wants to do something new in you this year. That's right. Just stand up in your seat and say, that's me. That's me. That's my declaration. That's me. I need a change. Maybe you need to commit your life to God. Maybe you're saying, God, I need you in my life. Come on, that's right. You say, I'm going to stand up because I want that change in my life. I want that change in my life. Redemption is calling me home. Redemption is calling me home. Redemption is calling me home. Come on, if that's you and you're standing up, I want you to be brave and lift your hand up and say, God, God, break me right where I'm at. Break me. Meet me right where I'm at, God. And break my heart, Lord. I've not pleased you. This is not something that I can have somebody pray over you. I can't call you to the front and have my leaders pray with you. You've got to say, God, break me right now. God, I am desperate. Call me home. I don't want to be a drunk. I don't want to be a whoremonger. I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to be none of those things that don't please you, God. I want to be what you called me to be. My name is no longer Jacob. My name is Israel. My name is freedom. My name is saved and sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. My name is holy and righteous. I am saved and sanctified and I'm trusting God come on somebody's name is going to be changed to faithful somebody's name is going to be changed to living right oh come on you don't have to live one more down day you don't have to live one more broken day I wish somebody would let off a shot of worship in this place you don't have to live one more down day God is here God is here to meet your need He's here to pick up the pieces of your life. He's here to say, you know what? I know. I know what you're going through. I've been trying to break you. I've been trying to work in you. If you would just let me work right now. Come on. Begin to pray right now. If your hands are lifted, say, God, change me. God, let this be my ear. God, perform spiritual surgery on me. Lord, break me right now. Oh, come on. Let them worship in this place. Let them worship. Say, God, God, break me right now. Break me right now. come back out this place walking like I came in God I gotta be different I wanna be different Lord I wanna be different Lord oh come on let them worship say God it's for me today God it's for me I can't live like I'm living God I can't live the same
That's right. It's time. Come on, you're making it new right now. You're making all things new. I want you to bow your heads right now. He's here. He's here right now. Come on. Nobody's looking at you. He wants to heal you right now. He wants to restore you right now. And there's some lifelong things you've had in you. And God says, i got to break them out of you. I've got to break them out of you. Come on, if you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ and you're saying, Pastor, today I want to make that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to lift your hand right where you're seated, right in your seat. Lift your hand as high as you can. Thank you. Thank you. I haven't made that three and four and five, that commitment to Jesus Christ. I want to make it six and seven right now. I want to make it right now. He's going to make some things new, eight and nine. He's going to make it new right now. And Too many hands to count. Come on, certainly give God praise for it. He'll make things new in your life. He'll make things new in your life. He'll make things over for you. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. That the old man is gone and the new man has come. And you don't got to be the same in your life. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. I want to accept your son as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross and paid the price for all of my sins. Lord, today, I'm coming home. Come on, say it boldly. I'm coming home to your house. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart you are my savior in jesus name we pray come on if you made a declaration right now the bible says that angels are celebrating in heaven the bible says that all of heaven rejoices with just one with just one and there was over 10 and all of heaven right now is rejoicing come on if you made that commitment today I want to challenge you to stop by in the back. We want to connect with you. If you said that prayer, don't leave without us connecting with you. We want to help you in this walk with God. There's freedom. There is freedom in giving your life to Jesus Christ. Would you do me all a favor? Bow your heads. We're going to go with one more worship as we start this new year. I want to sing it as a church that his love is never ending. His grace is never failing. And his redemption is calling us home. Are you ready? I want you to lift up with all your heart. Tell him your love. Your 